the World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. to where the new generation plays say what now <laughs> welcome to 20 years of nitro normally our week-by-week breakdown of wcw's flagship show where each episode is reviewed on the 20th anniversary of its airing however this week april 8th 1996 there was no wcw uh they were well, there was a WCW. There just wasn't a Monday Nitro. They didn't cease to exist for uh, a week. Yeah, they were preempted. And honestly, I didn't even really, I didn't get why. I didn't look into it that hard. I, I, it's oh, kind it of was, occurring uh, to me now that I should have looked into it. It was uh, NBA playoffs. Thank you. Yes. The NBA playoffs were on TNT, so Nitro was preempted. Uh, we decided that we would cover Raw for the week in order to make sure that we still provide you with the quality content that you have come to expect. I am your host, as always, Tim Root, and with me, as ever, is my broadcast partner, Dave Amantorp. Dave, how are you doing this week? I am doing absolutely perfect, because we picked the one week on Raw that instead of Jerry Lawler, we're getting Mr. Perfect as a guest commentator, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, this this was a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lawler, uh, our normal color commentator on Raw, he is going to be in the main event tonight, so Mr. Perfect is standing in. But before we get into all the action, I do want to let you know that you can find us at Facebook.com slash 20 Years of Nitro. You can check us out on Twitter at 20 Years of Nitro. You can email the show at 20 Years of Nitro at gmail.com. You can find us at PileDriverWrestling.net in the OSW podcast section. I was able to upload some of our back episodes that have been missing Um Seems like maybe some of their connection issues have been resolved. And of course, Dave, of course, you can find us on the Freakin' Awesome Network <laughs> at FreakinAwesomeNetwork.net. Anyway, as we mentioned, this is Monday Night Raw, and as you probably heard there in our intro, Vince McMahon welcomes us to the show. He's going to be announcing alongside Mr. Perfect. Uh, what in general did you make of the commentary over the course of the evening, Dave? I, I thought it was pretty good. Um... More so on Mr. Perfect. It's been a little bit since I've listened to uh, Vince McMahon as like a regular play-by-play. Yeah. And uh, it's just, I, I, I never understood why he always went with like the really shrill speaking voice. He, some of the way he pronounces things is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. He has this really phony announcer voice. There's one part 
where he's talking about Sonny, I remember, and he's talking about her winning two Slammy Awards. You're talking about the highest rating on the preview channel ever? Because exactly. there's two reasons why it was the highest rating. And that would be Sonny. What do you mean two reasons? Best Buns. You mean the Slammy Award winning. Sonny, yes, she won for Best Buns as well as Manager of the Year. Lots of surprises at the Slammy At WrestleMania the week before. And he says, and it, this is like an approximation of his tone. He's like, Sonny won uh, the Slammy Award for Best Manager as well as Best Buns. And it's just the the transition. Yeah. Like, why say it that way, Vince? Like, what on earth are you doing? Yeah, and also just from the the clip that we get re- at the beginning, you could hear that in his voice. Like, it seems like the the situation's like heightening, even though nothing's happened yet. Right. <laughs> as well as, yeah, he, he, it's bizarre. Yeah, he he definitely has like this certain tone. I mean, anytime. I, I'm sure, like anyone our age, like when when you think of Vince McMahon, the way he talks, it, it's always like this up down, and it really there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I you know generally I I thought the commentary wasn't great. Uh, McMahon is McMahon and perfect. I love. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Local mm-hmm. Minnesota guy. I've never really liked his announcing that much, um, but I didn't think anything was egregiously bad. I, I was surprised when I was done that I had not taken a lot of notes mm-hmm. on commentary being poor. Uh, McMahon is, of course, nonspecific and very, you know, he he doesn't call a lot of moves and he just sort of like, oh, oh Yokozuna, Yoko, he, he, oh, he, oh, look at that. You yeah. know, it's just, but as he's not egregiously like missing things mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of a couple little blown calls here and there. He, he's fine. He's serviceable, you know? Yeah. And um, as, as we'll. As you'll learn later, um, I find that the the guest commentator for the main event also did a surprisingly good job, too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, oh, I, I just wanted to kind of say before we got into this, because we hadn't really covered WWF as far as, like, an actual show is concerned. Yeah. Um, because I kind of noticed as as we've been going on, just doing the nitros and listening to your recaps, uh, and I talked to John about this, and I was like, you know, I, I just couldn't really remember a lot of the details of these Raws when you recap them. And what I believe when Nitro started, that my brother and I, we pretty much watched just Nitro. Oh, really? For a while. I yeah. Don't th- I don't think we really got into, like, the back and forth. Yeah. Before Nitro came on, I do remember, like, certain things of on Raw. Like, for example, there was a, a famous, like, Brahart. Uh, one two three kid match. Mm-hmm. Oh some, yeah, yeah, I know exactly ni- the match yeah. you're talking about. Uh, summer ninety four, and that I feel like that's like kind of the earliest like vivid thought of watching Raw. But mm-hmm. really, I didn't find that that Monday Night Raw was like a must watch every single Monday night. Yeah, and I, I think once Nitro came along, and suddenly there was like a market for Monday Night Wrestling, and that that, that there was like options. I, I felt like as a result they kind of made it like more of an event. Sure. Um, and and from what I could tell, I think it's not really until Brahart comes back at the end because Brahart is one of my like all time favorite wrestlers. Right. Yes. And once I think once he comes back, and there's like this whole great feud going up until th- WrestleMania 13 with him and Steve Austin and Sid and Vader and Undertaker, like this whole. Uh, like Modge, like this, of uh, all these guys trying to figure out like who's gonna go for the title. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's a real, big old Modge, is what it is. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. Hodgepodge. So I, Hodgepodge. There we go. <laughs> also known as a Modge. 
henceforth. <laughs> so I did, yeah. Um, so it was interesting watching this one because I don't, I didn't really remember this raw much at all. Whereas when we go through the nitros, like when we watch them, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, there's definitely memories that kind of like come back up when I'm watching those. Yeah, uh, for myself, I was not watching wrestling at all during this particular period, '96, '97, mm-hmm. really '98. I didn't get. I had watched wrestling until whatever WrestleMania 10 was, which was, I guess, 94. 90, okay, so yeah. 94. And uh, shortly, I, and I loved WrestleMania 10. I don't know why. I mean, I loved Bret Hart. I couldn't I couldn't pinpoint why it happened. Mm-hmm. But I just sort of got out of love with wrestling until 99, and then I got back in. So th- these are, both shows are pretty much all new to me. Though, of course, I'm familiar with the characters. I've gone back and watched a lot of the pay-per-views and big matches. But these individual shows are, you know, they're all new to me. Yeah, just, I mean, since you brought it up, just one thing I just wanted to point out with, or just mention with WrestleMania 10, it's like that's one of the more, one of the best, like, through the show storylines that you, you Oh my get God, absolutely. With, with Owen beating Brett, and then Brett getting, like, waiting to see if he gets revenge against Yokozuna or if he has to face Lex Luger. Lex being Lex and, like, <laughs> screwing it up. And, and with Owen coming out at the end, I'm like, just... There's a lot. I mean, there's there's there is some garbage in between. Sure, but like that central storyline is amazing, and like when you watch it now, it like it still plays really really well. My two favorite feuds of all time are Bret Hart and Owen Hart, mm-hmm. and Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman. Oh, nice. Like those, just those are those two uh, storylines perfectly encapsulate wrestling in two completely different ways. Too, mm-hmm. you know, just fantastic. Anyway, anyway, uh, on to this raw. As we start off, Yokozuna is already on the way to the ring. Uh, Vince tells us that we're going to hear from a freshly returned Ultimate Warrior tonight. And Mr. Perfect plugs an arm wrestling contest between Ahmed Johnson and the British Bulldog. Also, we will get Shawn Michaels, who is fresh off being crowned WWF champion at WrestleMania about a week ago. He's going to be taking on Raw's color commentator, Jerry the King Lawler. One thing I want to point out about this Jerry Lawler versus uh, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like I could mention earlier because it starts with WrestleMania 12. Mm-hmm. During that Iron Man match, Jerry Lawler mentions a few times that like he's like, you know what? I'm going to challenge the winner of this match. I feel like they're <laughs> going to be they're going to be ripe for the taking okay. because they had this whole match yeah. and he wanted to face them the next night on Raw. Technically, he does because this is taped the next night. That's true. Yes, but that... then but it's just like it, to me, it's just aggravating because like that was. The, the basic storyline behind these two guys facing each other mm-hmm. was he was going to take him on like right after this match, but then they air it the next week and it just defeats the whole purpose of the challenge. Hmm, that's a good point. Uh, you know, it, and then it was also like, cause uh, there's a, there was a storyline that goes on like way down the road with Jerry Lawler getting a title match against the Miz um, saying that he never got a title match before. And I thought, oh, I remember that. Yeah, I, and I thought this was a title match. Yeah, but it turns out it wasn't. So he's challenging him to a non-title match. Interesting. That's dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's all I want to say is it's dumb. <laughs> Although I guess maybe you figure he's tired. I challenge him. Maybe it's a non-title match, but I beat him, and then I get a title match. Sure. I know? mean, th- that's something that makes sense if they like stated. R- sure. Yeah. But I mean, that was. It's like, it, it seems like such a minor detail, but to me, the f- the reason why he was challenging him. Was that he was in a face on the next night? He has less than twenty four hours to be ready for that. Right. And then if they show the next week, in theory, story wise, he's had eight days. 
and it defeats a whole purpose. Yeah, uh, that reminds me that I failed to mention that, of course, this was, as you mentioned, taped on April 1st in San Bernardino, California at the Orange Pavilion. Out next comes Vader, and as we see him make his way to the ring, uh, Yokozuna, who has entered, you know, pretty much as the announcers are doing their opening bit, he is already leaning on the middle rope, sucking wind. Yeah. He is out of breath from walking slowly to the ring. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know, because we haven't been watching these previous Raws, does, did Yokozuna, did he just get the jobber entrance? No, he, he, he walks out, it's like... As Raw is starting, mm-hmm. he's walking out to the ring. So okay. he gets he gets an entrance. I just don't know if in WWF terms, if like the person that's coming out already, if that's like their jobber entrance. I think they have a real jobber entrance where they just cut and and Joe Jackoff is in the ring. <laughs> that's not my joke. That's <laughs> I'm misremembering somebody else's joke, but <laughs> no. that's that's essentially it. Uh Rodney and I, I'm going to butcher this, Anoi? Anoi? You know the the oh. famous Samoan wrestling yeah, family? Yeah, yeah. I've never been sure on how to pronounce that. He is a massive Samoan American wrestler who has the gimmick of a Japanese sumo owing to his huge size. And at this point, he is at about 650 fucking pounds. Wow. He was trained by his legendary wrestling family, including his uncles, Afa and Sika, the wild Samoans. Uh, he came to the AWA before being contacted by Vince McMahon. Yoko, of course, had quick success in the WWF, winning the Royal Rumble in 1993. And then the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 9 uh, from Bret Hart, though he lost it almost immediately to Hulk Hogan in probably the worst WrestleMania moment of all time. 1993 was not really a banner year for WWF as far as I can remember. Because also, Yokozuna won the Royal Rumble when Randy Savage tried to pin him. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And he just (laughs) tosses him off. God. Uh, He would then regain the belt at the 1993 King of the Ring, which was Hogan's last major WWF match as he soon would sit out the rest of his contract and leave pro wrestling before joining WCW, which we've, of course, already covered in our pilot episode. Yes. Yokozuna went on to lose the championship to Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10 and slowly slide down the card, tagging with Owen Hart for a while, before turning on his longtime manager Jim Cornette to become a babyface, though his, of course, other longtime evil manager, Mr. Fuji, just somehow becomes a babyface too, through osmosis, I guess. Uh, Fuji, of course, no longer weighs a Japanese flag, but now comes out with old glory, so we know that they're good. <laughs> big Van Vader, a.k.a. Leon White, is also a big boy, billed at 450 pounds, but I don't think he actually weighs that much. Uh, he's incredibly agile for his size and sometimes wears an awesome Mastodon helmet to the ring, which shoots steam and is fucking cool. <laughs> it is cool. Uh, we've we've talked about him a little bit because he was, of course, fired from WCW right as Nitro was beginning, but we never got really kind of a proper intro because he never actually appeared other than our Baywatch episode, of course. Uh, he was a standout college football player who spent two seasons in the NFL, including playing in a Super Bowl for the Los Angeles Rams uh, before being forced to retire due to injuries. He picked up wrestling, spent time in the AWA, a long time in Japan where he uh, is pretty much a legend and in WCW, where he was a three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, We already covered the circumstances, as I said, of his leaving WCW back in our first few episodes, so check those out if you haven't. And he's currently a part of Camp Cornette, Yoko's old stable, alongside uh, the British Bulldog and Owen Hart, who we'll see later. And anyone else? I don't think so. That might be it at this point. Um, No one's coming to mind right now. McMahon tells us that Yokozuna has the weight advantage, but when you can barely stand up under your own power, I'm not so sure your weight is an advantage. (laughs) 
After some pushing back and forth, the two behemoths exchange the punches. Yoko gets the better of Vader before hitting a Samoan drop, which it's amazing the ease with which he picks up Vader. I just wanted to point out, too, when they're hitting each other, they're these open hand slaps, but they are just smacking the shit out of each yeah, other. Yeah, they are. Vader notoriously is stiff, and Yokozuna is giving it right back to him. Yeah, because Vader hits him initially, and you could tell with the expression on Yokozuna's face, say, I don't think he expected it that hard. Yeah. And so he throws back, like, the hardest slap he can. And and I think that, like, Vader's like, all right, all right, now we're having a match. <laughs> what do you think of Yokozuna's Samoan drop? Yeah, it's re- it's re- yeah, it's really good. It's impressive, like you said, how he's able to, and also, just I mean, the fact that he is getting into like a very uh, unhealthy weight, he still like is relatively moving around pretty well. Um, oh yeah, uh, for very short bursts. Yes, I mean that Samoan drop is probably the most impressive thing that happens in this match, and it happens a minute in, mm-hmm. and I think after that he's pretty much wiped. Yeah, he's got short bursts, but. He's laboring to stand up every time he goes down. He uses the ropes. Like, Vader has to stand next to him and just wait while he just, like, <sighs> right. just, oh, it's awful. Yeah. Have you ever seen his um last match where he tag teams with Jake the Snake and he, like, is so fat that he can't stand on the ring apron waiting to get tagged? He just kind of stands, like, forget if it's right inside the ropes or it's just on the floor, and then he climbs up the ring steps when he gets tagged in. I, I don't think I've seen that, but I, I had... Red, I, I didn't they say that he got up to like eight hundred pounds at some point? Very possible. He was working. He was actively working to be the fattest wrestler, and he had to pass guys like Giant Haystacks and Haystacks Calhoun, and yeah. then unfortunately he I, died. I, I was about to say. I I was wondering if like the weight thing it was a a lot about like the image of it, and I mean I didn't know that part about him like actively trying to become mm-hmm. really really obese, but like yeah, I mean. It, it's a, it's drastically different from, like, 93, 94 when he was kind of the big heel in WWF where yeah. he was big, but he could still, like, he could move around. Right. I mean, he, unfortunately, he'll be dead younger than you and I both are now. I mean, we've outlived Yokozuna, already, you know, already, which is insane. Like, it was his early 30s? Yeah. Um, Look it up on Wikipedia while I talk. Okay. Just in case I'm wrong. Uh, after the Samoan drop, Vader pops up and hits a big clothesline. Vince mentions that Raw is now starting a few minutes earlier each week. This is in order to counter Nitro, who has actually been doing this more or less the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're trying to not let Nitro just start earlier and get people hooked before Nitro starts. So now these two are just in a rush to like see who can start earlier. every. And, of course, Nitro has the overrun uh, as well. So, I mean, it's just yeah. a lot of sneaky tactics on the part of both these organizations. Vader clobbers Yoko in the corner as Perfect explains that Vader resents Yoko for eliminating him back in the Royal Rumble in January. Cornette gets in a cheap shot as Vader poses. Yoko gets to his feet, using the ropes and plenty of time. He ducks a Vader punch and hits a rock bottom, uh, which looks amazing. That's the, other than the Samoan drop, it's the most amazing part of this match. Uh, For some reason, Vince calls it a suplex. I know it's not called the rock bottom yet, (laughs) but it's certainly not a suplex. (laughs) Right. Um, and, and Yokozuna, uh, was actually 34. 34. Okay. So, so we are inching closer to Yokozuna's are, death year. We are within very uncomfortable range of, <laughs> of that fact. I gotta get in a treadmill. Uh, <laughs> Yokozuna follows up the rock bottom by dropping the leg, but he can't pin Vader because he is so sleepy. So, so sleepy. <laughs> oh 
God. There's really no reason. He he drops the leg. Mm-hmm. That should be a finishing move. And then he just is on his, his hands and knees, like, blinking the sweat out of his eyes. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he's selling or literally blinking the sweat out of his eyes. It looks like... Certainly, what it looks like when you're blinking the sweat out of your eyes. I, I I also remember that Yokozuna, like one of his like trademark sort of like reactions was like to blink and shake his head like he was really dazed. You're right. You know he always did do that. So you're right. He's probably selling and not just sweaty. Although he certainly is sweaty. <laughs> right. The crowd chants USA in support of a guy supposedly from Japan who is fighting a guy from Colorado. <laughs> he goes for a splash, but Vader moves. Yoko is down, and Cornette holds his ankle on the ropes, and Vader delivers a Vader bomb to Yoko's leg. Yoko screams in agony, and Tim White calls for the bell. Vader wins by ref stoppage. Initially, this plays off extremely well, in my opinion. Yokozuna screaming is—it's uh, fantastic. Yeah, his acting in that is is really really well done. Um, because uh, Yokozuna, his ankle is on the ropes. I think by the way that they have it slap off the ropes and hit the canvas makes a like smacking sound, and I I think it works really well. That sound like he broke something. Um. And then to call for the bell right away to make it seem like there was a legitimate injury. Yeah. But then they just piled onto it, and it kind of, to me, ruined, like, the whole, uh, like, the element of realism by keeping on keep going with it. Yeah, Vader hits several more Vader bombs to the injured leg, and Yoko continues to scream in agony. Vader retreats with Cornette, and WW officials and medics come out with a stretcher. Uh, that is not going to work, you guys. <laughs> like, right. He's not getting on that stretcher. Uh, interesting note about that match before we move on. Vader would uh, ruptured an eardrum in that match, uh, but will not miss any significant time due to the injury. <laughs> Vader's a tough guy. <laughs> Seriously, he doesn't give a fuck. That, I mean, I was just doing research on Vader, and I was I read about his this match he had with Stan Hansen. Yeah, in in Japan, in in which uh, his right eyeball partially pops out of. Oh, his I've head. heard that. Yeah, and uh, and you can find video if you want to. Nope. <laughs> I, I I was happy enough knowing that I could find it. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but I saw like at least a photo of it, and it it, it looks awful. He just shoves it back in and, and wrestles, just, doesn't and he? And he just shoves it right back in. That's amazing. And, and someone was interviewing him, and the thing like Vader's like regular talking voice is boring. Yeah, he sounds very sleepy and like very soft spoken. Yeah, because from his um, appearance in the Wrestling with Shadows documentary, mm-hmm. uh, he mentioned that he was like an accountant. Oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. And I was like, well, the way he talks is like perfect for that. Yeah. And when he's like explaining the story of what happened, it sounds so boring. <laughs> but he talk- but he's like turns around and like shoves his eyeball back in his head, and they wrestle. Uh, the match is like twenty five minutes, and like it's five minutes into the match. 
that happens. Wow. So like busting an eardrop is probably like nothing. <laughs> we get a commercial, and when we come back, we see replays of what we missed during the commercial break, which was apparently Yokozuna being taken away from the arena on a forklift. <laughs> God. He's quite literally taken away. That's not a joke I'm making. Right. They bring out a forklift and load him on and get him out of there. Yeah. Perfect tells us that an ambulance is on the way. Uh, this leg injury is a way of writing off Yokozuna for a bit so he can try to lose some weight. He will return, though, only two months later and appear sporadically, but his weight will uh, have him out of the WWF forever by 1997. Uh, unfortunately, as I mentioned, Yokozuna died in October of 2000 due to heart complications, and in 2012, he was inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame. Our next segment, uh, I think best can be summed up in an audio clip. <laughs> Wait till you hear this reaction. He is the ultimate liar! One question would be, where have you been for three long years? You've been living in Montana, McMahon, where all the lunatics live. Those places where a man goes that are of any real importance, Vince McMahon, are not places you will ever find upon a map. For a man to truly find himself, he has to go one place that we're all entitled to go to, deep, deep, deep in the mine. In the three and a half years that I have been absent, there's one thing that would not die. The voices. The spirit of the warrior. You spoke to me. You spoke to me. All of you spoke to me. All of you. The very blood of your visions said one thing. We want it, warrior, and we want it bad. We want to live one more time in the power of the warrior. This guy's more of a lunatic than I thought. Yes, indeed. However, the new WWF Generation superstars unquestionably will be coming at you. How will the Ultimate Warrior fare against the WWF New Generation superstars? All the new challenges that come with the new generation, the power of the Warriors will surely rise and meet. Each individual, the uh -oh. challenges here, that power here comes Gold shall Dust. fall. Goldust is coming down the aisle. Doing so, What's he going to do, get the Warriors face? raise the heights of their understanding and show them that they too can be of the spirit of the warrior. And ladies and gentlemen, the man who will face the ultimate warrior, April 28th, the intercontinental champion, Gouldust.
come out and play. Warriors 1979. You little warrior can come in my house, but nobody will be there. But perhaps maybe we could play some games, something like a superhero game. Maybe you could be Superman. Maybe I could climb on your back and we could take off and you could fly away with me in the sunset. What do you think about that? Hold it right there, freak! Whenever you're trying to pull from the minds of those you screw with, And whatever those choose to do with what you dish out, let me make it perfectly clear what is, is. And whatever you're into, I don't give a Well, how about this one? Brother, if you're looking for a full-length, action-packed adventure, I got a full-length movie for you. Me kicking your ass from beginning to end. So there you go. Uh, Vince McMahon is in the ring. He welcomes the Ultimate Warrior and a ton of fake, fake, fake fucking crowd noise plays. <laughs> this was, uh, I mean, the crowd pops. I'm sure they did. The Warriors coming. I mean, he was back at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. but this is the first Raw appearance, I think, ever? was he? Yeah, because Raw started in 93 and he was gone in 92, right? Yes. So this is his first Raw appearance ever. He's been gone since 1992. And uh, some people are excited, but they just play this huge pop that goes on and on while the camera shows people sitting calmly in their seats (laughs) and it happens throughout the entire promo over and over again they really really mess with the audio on this one okay yeah because i'm and i guess i was kind of like not 100 percent paying attention to this interview Mm -hmm. i made a note that sounds like wow people really liked ultimate warrior but i really wasn't (laughs) i guess i didn't notice it like no one was really carried (laughs) The Warrior, of course, is Jim Helwig, who acrimoniously quit the WWF on two previous occasions in 1991 and 1992 over disagreements over pay and steroids. I will save most of his story until further down our timeline because we will certainly be seeing him again in a Nitro capacity. Now, at this point, was his real name still Jim Helwig? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I think he changes it after... I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not going to speculate until okay. I do some research. All right. Uh, but for right now, you should know that he and McMahon have ironed out their issues. He returned at WrestleMania 12 eight days ago where he squashed Triple H. He gives a promo about, I don't know, he's been off in his own mind, I guess. Yeah. He looks, honestly, uh, I thought his eyes looked nervous for this promo, which I didn't expect. Nervous is not normally something I associate with him, but he he his delivery is what the same warrior delivery as always, just screaming mm-hmm. crazy shit. But he just looks kind of nervous the whole time. And, and by the end, he is sweating profusely. Yeah, yep. 
Uh, Goldust comes out. Goldust, of course, uh, I don't have a full intro written for him, but he is Dustin Runnels, uh, son of Dusty Rhodes. He appeared in WCW as the natural Dustin Rhodes uh, mm-hmm. for quite some time. However, as we mentioned in a previous episode, he was fired after bleeding a bunch in the, like, whatever that highway match at the, Uncensored 95. Yeah, the, the 18-wheeler yeah. with uh, Bunkhouse Buck. So he is uh, now portraying the uh, homoerotic, flamboyant character of Goldust, who has just not aged well. This is so terribly offensive. Yeah, right. Uh, the Goldust character now is just, like, wacky and weird, but to see what it started off with, with just this crowd of people screaming stuff at him mm-hmm. and booing him for coming across as gay... And, like, kids in the audience be seeing that. It's just really shitty. And, of course, the fact that, unbeknownst to us at the time, but he's speaking to, like, noted bigot and homophobe right. Jim Helwig yes. just really makes for an unattractive combination. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, here's my notes. Gold dust out. Homophobia happens. <laughs> Warrior calls dust a freak. He says, whatever Dust is into, he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so uh, you can kind of see, I mean, we're still a ways from the Attitude Era, but a trend towards an edgier product. It's it's censored, but he still is, you know, yelling shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warrior then cheap shots Goldust with a clothesline, and his music plays as the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Maybe they went wild. Although, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he also says, though, uh, that he's got a movie. He goes, like, I've got a movie for you, me kicking your ass. <laughs> Like, that's not a movie. That's just you kicking my ass. I I don't want I don't want to be in this movie. <laughs> what did you make of this whole <laughs> warrior segment here? I I do like the the idea that it's like it is the very kind of like bigoted stance to say it's like I don't like really care what you do, <laughs> but also I really don't like you. But also I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> right. We just met. <laughs> y- yeah, it's. I'm gonna beat you up with my straightness. I don't really. I'm glad that I wasn't watching during the Goldust era because I don't know how I would have reacted. I don't know at that age if I would have been like, "Yeah, fuck that guy." Or I, I honestly don't know. I I do know that like, um, at that like as a teenager, like yeah. living at home with like your parents could be watching at any time. Yeah, there were characters that like I got uncomfortable because I'm like, oh god, my parents are gonna see like this character and it's like gonna make everything really awkward. Like, um. The Godfather was like that. Yeah, yeah, yes. The Godfather was like that, or like Val Venus when he was like literally making segments with porn stars. Yeah, your mom starts coming down the stairs, and you're like, your fingers on that last button on the remote <laughs> right. to get back to like Cartoon Network or whatever the hell. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and I think Goldust was Goldust was like that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh sure. As far as that, um, just being kind of like this awkward, uh, just you know, um. Let's see. I was like probably twelve or thirteen. Yeah, I don't think I really like had a complete grasp as far as like how to approach like homosexuality or. No, I mean definitely like you know we called things gay on the schoolyard and mm-hmm. didn't fully. I mean, I got what gay was, but I didn't. You know, you didn't. I didn't know people that. Well, I knew people that turned out to be gay, but I didn't know yeah. people at the time that I knew were gay. Right. It's you know I don't know. I don't want to turn it into a whole society podcast, but like the difference between 1996 mm-hmm. and 2016 is insane. Like, I can't believe how much changes in 20 years that yeah. this was just on regular, f- allegedly family television. Right. You know, this was yeah. a family show. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's nuts. It's just like, regardless of what you feel about political issues, gay marriage, whatever, it's crazy to think that this was on TV 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, you usually think of like 
like the mid nineties as like really cartoon wrestling for WWF. Yeah. Which as you'll see in the next matchup. <laughs> yeah. After a commercial, we come back and Yoko is on his forklift uh, and Vader comes out and re- attacks him repeatedly with a chair. Mm-hmm. That Vader is being a real dastardly son of a gun. <laughs> right. <laughs> In the ring, a woman strips uh, the costume off Hunter Hearst Helmsley, leaving ah. him. He's still wearing wrestling like attire, but she takes his costume off. Mm-hmm. Uh, out comes wrestling garbage man Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, <laughs> carrying his trusty trash can. <laughs> he books it to the ring with uh, intensity, as these two had a feud earlier this year, which ended when Helmsley picked up a win in, over Drozzy at In Your House 6 at, on February 16th. Uh, by the way, does Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, is his theme song, is it like the backing up beeping of a... Yes, it is. Awesome. You know it is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Mike Drozzy trained as a wrestler in Florida where he worked in the Indies under several names before settling on Garbage Man. <laughs> <laughs> Just so many questions. <laughs> well, this fit in perfectly with mid-90s WWF obsession with vocational-based gimmicks, mm-hmm. and he was quickly uh, picked up by WWF. Triple H, of course, is Paul Levesque, <laughs> uh, who probably needs no introduction other than to note of interest to this show that he had spent a year in WCW first as the terrible-named Terra Rising yep. until he became the snobbish Jean-Paul Levesque, which was an only slightly modified upon his entry to the WWF into the Connecticut Blue Blood Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Mm-hmm. To this point, he is not called Triple H. To start off, we get a back body drop from Drozzy in a scoop slam. He clotheslines Triple H out of the ring and follows to the outside. Drozzy nails Triple H's head. I'm going to still call him Triple H, obviously. I don't like... <laughs> no, that's, a, <laughs> okay. that's understandable. <laughs> he nails Helmsley's head into the ring steps as Mr. Perfect runs him down and tells him to take his stinky hat off. <laughs> By the way, I going into this, I... I had imagined that Duke the Dumpster Drozzy had a magnificent mullet. I think he used to. Yeah, but then he he came out buzzed, and I was like, that's kind of like pretty forward-thinking on his behalf. <laughs> yeah. As far as getting rid of the mullet. He's looking like, yeah, late 90s rather than yeah. mid-90s. He, lo- he looks mm-hmm. like he should have been like in um, that DOA group. Yes, actually. But he wasn't. <laughs> Spoiler. We see a replay of last week when Helmsley was rebuffed by a woman who had escorted him to ringside. He gets escorted to the ring by different women every week, kind of part of his gimmick. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a few times, he'd use this woman named Sable. Huh. Coming to Sable's defense uh, when he was trying to hit on her and she was turning him down was her real-life husband, wild man Mark Marrow, who debuted at WrestleMania with a promo before winning his first WWF match last week on Raw against Isaac Yankum. Hmm, that guy sounds familiar. Yes, listeners to this show will remember him as Johnny B. Bad, the flamboyant black but not actually black guy. (laughs) Back in the ring, Duke whips Hunter into the corner where Triple H flips up and nearly over before coming back ass over tea kettle into the ring. It's a great bump uh, that the smallish Triple H makes look fantastic at this point in his career. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, kind of, he is an idolizer of flair and this is like his interpretation of the flair up and over and he loves he's of course buddies with sean sean does the same bump essentially yeah uh so this is kind of his version of it and i really like it a press slam by drozzy is followed by some taunting he lunges at triple h but helmsley pulls the ropes down and the dumpster tumbles to the outside he crawls around in pain and triple h whips him into the ropes mcmahon touts the rating success of the free pre-show for mania and very oddly talks about sunny slammy wins 
Oh, that's when he makes that awkward transition that I was talking about earlier. Oh. As well as. <laughs> you mean the Slammy Award winning Sonny? Yes, she won for Best Buns as well as Manager of the Year. Lots of surprises at the Slammy. We then get an inset promo from Mark Marrow who promises surprises for Hunter next week on Raw. Ooh. We have these comments talking about a surprise. You caught me by surprise at WrestleMania. Will Silver Spoon. The wild surprises start next week on Raw. Oh, yeah. Is that a threat? I miss inset promos. Do you, what are your thoughts on inset promos? I like those. I there was They had a like a classic Raw a few years ago, like yeah. 2009, 2010, that they put those in there, and it was amazing. I, yeah, I, I, was, I was a fan of that. I like it's a good way to kind of uh, – um, to add, like, here's something to think about while this match is going on. And we all have bigger TVs than we had in 1996. Like, now a double, uh, like, a split-screen thing doesn't... It's not, like, taking up valuable real estate. Mm-hmm. Plus, WWE doesn't give a shit if we're watching the match or not. Like, that's the least important thing to them. Right. So I'm I'm actually surprised they don't use these more. Triple H is in control and slows things down with some kicks and knees as we go to commercial. After, a pedigree attempt is reversed into a slingshot by the dumpster. I love that nickname. <laughs> the dumpster. <laughs> he hits a couple atomic drops in a spine buster, which Vince actually calls correctly. Ooh. He hits a power slam, which is also correctly called, and then calls out for the trash compactor, his finisher. Hunter escapes and hits the pedigree for the one, two, three. <laughs> uh, it was a decent match, I thought. I actually was surprised. Uh, mainly because he was on offense, and I didn't expect him to really get any offense in. I really liked uh, Duke in this match. I thought he was he was a lot better than wrestling garbage man uh, would imply. You know. Yeah, yeah. He he's pretty good in the ring, and also he has he knows how to like hype up the crowd during the match. Yes, when he calls for the trash compactor, people get excited. Yeah, they're like, yes, the the garbage man wrestler is going to do his trash compactor move. Yeah. So I mean. When you're talking about him being garbage man before WWF, part of me thinks like he knows if he goes for a particular thing that WWF might pick him up for that. Right. He seems like the kind of guy that he could make could have maybe been a little bit more if he didn't. But I mean, he saddled himself. Yeah. With that, so he really only has himself to blame for going for that gimmick. Another funny Duke the Dumpster Drozzy story. He in like '93 or '94 was named. Uh, number 500 on PWI's top 500 list. Oh, okay. <laughs> and like Smarks would chant 500, 500 at him all the time. And I think that's, I just based on the fact that he named himself Garbage Man, I, I like to imagine that he enjoyed that actually. Yeah. I also liked, because I was mentioning how it was so 90s, so I wrote down the line that Hunter Hearst Helmsley avoids the trash compactor and hits <laughs> Duke the Dumpster Drozzy with the pedigree for the win. <laughs> It's as nice as you could get. A fan holds up a Bring Back the Conquistadors sign, uh, but he will have to wait five more years for Edge and Christian to resurrect that gimmick. <laughs> hopefully he hopefully he watched that time. It's like, <laughs> finally they <Yes>! listened. <laughs> Slow burn. <laughs> we see a replay of last week's attack on The Undertaker by Mankind, who had debuted earlier that same evening on Raw. And then out comes the Bulldog, along with his brother-in-law, Owen Hart. We also see uh, his wife, Owen's sister, Diana Smith, seated in the crowd. Uh, But before we get this amazing arm wrestling match, we get a commercial. And then afterward, more footage of Yokozuna. He's being loaded into an ambulance this time. uh, And Perfect says it reminds him of Free Willy. (laughs) Way to sell the seriousness of the moment. 
Oh, boy. Out comes Ahmed Johnson, real name Tony Norris. He's a big former football player who spent a brief time in the Indies before being trained by uh, former WWF jobber Ivan Putski before being scooped up by McMahon as he's a big, muscular dude. Yes. The kind of guy that Vince loves having around. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also pretty shit on the mic and in the ring. Yes. And he is one of those guys that other wrestlers fear to be in the ring with because he's very notorious for not only injuring other people, but also himself. Well, what would an arm wrestling segment be without a big ol' audio clip for you to listen to? <laughs> Enjoy. Hello, gentlemen, this is arm wrestling. Ahmed, if you'll start from this side, British Bulldog from this side, the official, Jack Doan. He's the strongest man right here. You can go back right now. He's the strongest man in the WWF. Look at those muscles. Look at them. They're rock hard. Not a bodybuilding contest. We're going to find out who has the strongest right arm. That's what it's all about. Please be seated. All right, Jack, make sure everything's elbows squarely on the table. OK, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Good wait a minute. Hey. Not yet. Look at all that oil on him. That is not fair. Regulation says he can't have all that you gotta grease agree with and Owen slime there. and all oil all over. What a fair-minded guy. Thank God Owen, Owen Hart is there to down. make sure everything goes oil properly. doesn't have anything to do with this. Sure does. He could slip and he could get extra leverage. You're a cheater, Ahmed Johnson, so wipe that oil off and let's do it fair. He's absolutely right. No doubt about it. Wait a minute. I think... Uh, there you go. No more oil. Oh, How's that? That's a Get class it all act. Off. Wipe it all off. Back off. Hey, if you don't back off, you're going to the back. I don't want any more out of you. He's just trying to all help right, out, Raph. Both men down. Both elbows. Set them up. Set them up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, come wait on, your elbows wait a minute. Wait a minute. Get his elbow back. He's got to have it right there. He's got it too close. He's trying to get too much leverage because you know he's too strong for you. I don't think don't Ahmed understands back. the rules of arm wrestling. No, 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 wait a minute. This is good. Explain what the it hell to him. That? It's an arm wrestling match. You're trying to cheat. Don't go try to pick up chairs and try to butter up the referee. Let's do it fair and square. If you're and you're so gone. Any more and you're gone. Yeah, why is he gone? Our arm wrestling event, please. Throw McMahon out of there if you're going to throw anybody out. All right. Perhaps the two strongest men in the WWF about to get it on right here. Hold on. Hold on. He's not ready. He's not ready yet. You are out of here. Back to the wait, back. Wait, you, you can't throw out him out of there. You are out of here. You got no business throwing Owen Hart out of there. You don't have to leave, Owen. You stay. Oh, shut up, McMahon. Owen doesn't have to go anywhere. He's just out there trying to help things out. They can't throw him out of there. Now, the now here comes another referee. Why would they want to throw Owen Hart out of there? To give Ahmed the, the advantage? There's your winner right there. This is a travesty. Why should Owen Hart? He's never done anything wrong in his life, let alone interrupt. I mean, talk about fair-minded. That's a shame. All right. There's a shot of Diana, the British Bulldog's wife. Even she's upset that you're going out. I can't believe it. She can't believe Thumbs it. I can't believe anybody can believe it. Get his elbow down. Elbow down. Here we go. 
One, two, three, go! Oh, he's got him right off the bat. Oh, he's gonna flash him. He's gonna flash Ahmed. Oh, you wonder how much oil is left in Ahmed's palm of his hand. Look at Davy Boy. He's got him down. He's got the wrist turned already. It's all technique. Wait a second here. Ahmed Smith, he's fighting back. I think Davy Boy's playing with him. Here he comes. Now Davy Boy's coming back the other way. Ahmed's using the table. He's got his hand in the table. Look at Davy Boy. He doesn't, he's not grabbing the table. Ahmed's got his hand in the table. He's using the table. He's pulling it. He used the table. That is not right. That's a cheat. Johnson, the winner. If Owen would have been out there right now, would have that would have never happened. Ahmed Johnson had hold of that table. He just does not deserve that victory. Look at Diana can't believe it either. There you go. Hit him with the table, hit him with the chair. I guess it really doesn't matter if you win the arm wrestling contest. Take a look at your wrestling ability. Oh, he's gonna set, here, let's set Ahmed at the table. What is going on here? Wait a minute, look at, oh, what a poor sport. I thought Owen Hart was great in that segment with the whining and complaining and then hiding behind Davey Boy. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. I mean, Owen's always fantastic. I'm glad, even in a small cameo, that he had a cameo, uh, he had an appearance on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's like trying to make gold of like a pretty crummy, crummy segment. And he's like doing the best he can to make this seem like it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, when it comes to Ahmed Johnson, because way later on down the road we'll be seeing him on nitro yes that's right um but there's just this weird ongoing odyssey of him and his knee pads Hmm, how do you mean well because at this time i think he has two sets of knee pads on his thighs interesting i didn't notice that (laughs) i mean when he came into the wwf he just wore one set and then at some point i'm pretty sure he's at three but they're like they're like stacked on top of each other on his thighs. It's the <laughs> weirdest thing. And also, it just like increasingly, there's more and more baby oil getting onto this yes, table. Yes, yes. And it's just. I also think, and I I don't know this for a fact, but I think Bulldog tried to switch it up on Ahmed and really arm wrestle because Ahmed is exerting a lot of effort that I wouldn't expect, and. Perfect, as you heard in that clip, he keep, Perfect keeps yelling that Ahmed was holding the table. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Ahmed was legitimately, yeah. with his other hand, like using the table to pull and try to win this match. Yeah. Um, either either it was a shoot match the whole time, which mm-hmm. I doubt, or like British Bulldog was fucking with him because that's a thing Owen and Davey like to do. Yeah. And he's giving him more resistance than was like planned. And Or it could be something where it was like, you know, Ahmed's going to win this. And at the last second, Bulldog's like, I'm going to try really hard, and if it ends up, I win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the the thing is weird is, like, it's taped, so they could do any sort of editing, but you can clearly see, like, the camera's right on his hand on the side, and uh, it was a good – it was also a really good job of Mr. Perfect, like, trying to do the best to commentate an arm wrestling match. Right. Because um, I, if you're not watching this, anytime there's, like, an in-ring segment – Vince leaves the announcing table, and so it's just Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, afterward, Davy Boy attacks Ahmed from behind with a chair. He sets up a table in the corner and throws Ahmed into it, but the table doesn't break, so Davy tries again. 
No break. He then throws the table at a lying Ahmed. No break. He drapes it over Ahmed's body and jumps on it a few times. Nothing. <laughs> this table is no selling the fuck out of everything. <laughs> the table is covered in baby oil. And oh, <laughs> God. It is so gross. And the legs are bent to shit, but like otherwise it's not much worse for wear, given all that's happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It wasn't for a lack of effort, though. <laughs> Davy Boy was trying everything he could do to get that table to break. It just would not. We get a promo for next week's Raw where Savio Vega is going to battle Goldust for Goldust's Intercontinental title. Out then comes Diesel in a HBK t-shirt to uh, join commentary. As Vince throws it to commercial, Diesel mugs big cheesy faces. He has so much charisma but almost exclusively uses it to be a prick. That's like Kevin Nash's whole thing. And we'll have a ton, obviously, to say about Kevin Nash as the show continues, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on his background or anything Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, Just one thing I wanted to say about that Intercontinental Tom match that's happening next week is the way that they hyped it up. It was like, both these guys were losers at WrestleMania 12. Now they're going to wrestle each other, so get excited for these two idiots going for the title. (laughs) Yeah. As we mentioned previously, uh, Diesel has already given his notice to Vince McMahon that he's going to be leaving in a month or so and his contract expires and joining WCW. Between WrestleMania last week and now, he has turned heel at a live event at Madison Square Garden and attack his best friend, Shawn Michaels. He was kind of slowly going heelish, mm-hmm. uh, getting jealous of Shawn, and then finally attacked him uh, and turned full heel for one last little run before he fades off into... Uh, Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) We get a commercial, and when we come back, it's time for our main event, and here to call all of the action is Dave Amantor. Yeah, so after the commercial break, we see Jerry Lawler in the ring with his music playing. While not a jobber entrance per se, it probably doesn't mean good things for the king. Shawn Michaels' music hits, and the ovation from Vince McMahon drowns out the fans. Lots of screaming girls as Sean prances around the ring and strips his leather chaps and bedazzled nipple tickler off. <laughs> I didn't know what else to call it, but it definitely is a nipple tickler. Mm. At this oh, that was a gross... Would you, I don't <laughs> like what I said there at all. Mm, nipple tickler. <laughs> and, and as he's stripping, they're reminded that at Burger King, you could get your burgers <laughs> worth. Yeah, I, I remember that, and I don't recall that being a slogan. Like, I was racking my brain trying to remember, and I just, I don't know. I missed that marketing campaign, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, the bell rings as Sean encourages the fans to cheer, as it has been proven to weaken Jerry Lawler. Meanwhile, ringside, Diesel talks shit while wearing a Shawn Michaels shirt, which probably came from his personal collection. While Jerry Lawler sports the classic mullet, Sean's has evolved into some sort of like long length, well conditioned style. It's like really hard to describe. It's it's like he let it grow he let his mullet grow out, but the mullet origins are definitely there. Sean, yeah, his hair is weird in that it like looks sort of like long hair, mm-hmm. but is also a mullet. And yeah. is also he's not so much now, but later in his career, like also he's balding. So yeah. he has, like, long hair that's also a mullet and is also kind of a comb-over in a way. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, and since this is uh, 90s wrestling, we start off with the classic collar and elbow tie-up. Uh, Jerry backs Sean into the corner and shouts, Hey, everybody, here's your heartbreak kid, before missing a punch. 
A punch from Sean drops Lawler to the mat as the fans are eating this up. Maybe. I don't know if it's like all dubbed <laughs> in or not. This At this point, they tell us this is a non-title match. Um, another Carl and Neville tie up, only this time Sean pushes Lawler into the corner. Sean fakes a punch, which Jerry ducks, and then gets actually punched. The ref tries to convince both men to execute actual wrestling moves. Jerry Lawler backs the referee into the corner and advises that he stay there, then turns to Sean and challenges him to fisticuffs. <laughs> the King misses Wiley with a punch. Then we get punch, 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 off the ropes, punch. While Lawler crawls to the ref for safety, Sean skips around before splaying himself on the top turnbuckle. I love I love the it's I mean it's a classic spot, Sean didn't invent it, but the reclining on the on the top ropes, just like I don't give a fuck. It's so yeah, I love it. It's like it's a great heel move and it's a great cocky face move. Yeah, perfect for a guy like Shawn Michaels. Um, I think just from this point on, instead of like wondering about it, I'm gonna assume the fan reaction is the real reaction by all means. Because at this point, the fans are going crazy for his uh, laying atop the turn top turnbuckle. Uh, Jerry motions towards Sean, and Sean bounces to the arena floor, where he does more prancing as he claps the fans' hands. Vince McMahon calls him Mr. Flamboyance as he leaps back into the ring. Sean and Jerry engage in collar-eyeable tie-up number three, while Mr. Perfect suggests that King is up by two points on his scorecard. Jerry backs Sean into the ropes, where the referee makes the count to break the hold. Once they do, Jerry goes for the swing and a miss of a punch yet again, and gets punched by Sean yet again. Sean whips Jerry into the ropes and hit, delivers a back body drop, which Vince refers to as big. <laughs> While Jerry reels in pain, Sean tries to goose him or something like that. He like grabs like his lower back or something. I think it was a goose, but I don't know. The King tells Earl Hebner that Michaels pulled his hair, and while Hebner confronts Sean with his newfound information, Jerry goes, like, elbow deep into his tights for a foreign <laughs> object. It's like, he's really searching in there. <laughs> also, I, I think everyone could tell that there's not really a foreign object. He just makes it look like he has his hands around a foreign right, object. Right, right. With his right hand uh, away, shied away from view, Jerry tries to goad Sean into a one-arm test of strength. Sean complies, but once he gets a clear advantage... Lawler nails him with the right hand full of something. Back into the tights goes the invisible weapon, and Jerry insists he use an open palm strike against the heartbreak kid. He pulls Sean back to his feet and ramps his face into a turnbuckle. At this point, King must be up by at least six points on Mr. Perfect's scorecard. <laughs> uh, Jerry drops Sean with a right and starts choking him on the mat, uh, while he also starts nine on the bottom rope, which I thought kind of... <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah, a little George Animal Steel action or something. <laughs> uh, at this point, Vince uh, screams at Diesel to sit back down as we head to commercial break. We can't see that Diesel stands up, so I don't know if Vince McMahon's doing like the Bobby Heenan thing. Where he si <laughs> right. Where he suggests something happens right before commercial break. Yeah. Back from the break, and Jerry still has the advantage. He uh, drops Sean with a punch before dragging him so his uh, head dangles just over the side of the ring apron. Jerry uh, goes out to the ring ringside and gets a running start before hitting a running punch. <laughs> he celebrates before getting another running start and hitting another running punch. Jerry then climbs back to the ring and hits a standing pile driver and a nonchalant cover only registers two. Undeterred, Sean Lawler pulls Sean back to his feet, winds up, and hits another punch. 
There's a break from the routine as Jerry climbs to the top rope, but his double X-handle smash is thwarted by a punch to the gut. Uh, Jerry sells it like he got a mouse trap to the dick. Sean is mad now, so kick, punch, 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 punch. <laughs> and after a whip into the opposite turnbuckle, Sean flies off the ropes with a forearm smash. Sean kips up as Vince McMahon lauds for his lightning-like quickness. Michaels body slams Lawler and heads to the top rope and hits a beautiful flying elbow. Sean goes for the cover but changes his mind, opting instead to adjust his waist while staring at Diesel. During this confrontation, Jerry digs back into his tights, like elbow deep, for the invisible foreign object. When he charges, Sean does the no-look super kick and then sits on his belly for the three count. It was, the super kick is really incredible, I thought. Yeah, it, and it, it's like... Um, it's like when uh, the superhero like gets the last bad guy by just throwing his <laughs> fist back. <laughs> yes, it's exactly how he beats Jerry Lawler. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> a perfect comparison. And as he's pinning, like as he sits on his belly and pins him, he is like staring right at Diesel the whole time. After the match, Diesel gets in the ring and he and Sean brawl. Perfect walks to ringside and tosses Diesel the belt, and Diesel nails Sean with it. Uh, Mister Perfect showing why he got that nickname and why he is always lauded as being like an incredible athlete because that throw of the belt was perfectly on point to diesel. Yeah. <laughs> like I, it's just such a small thing, but it's just like, God damn, Mr. Perfect's incredible at anything <laughs> he does. Perfect and Vince argue about it for a while as Sean is laid out and diesel heads to the back. And that is how we end the show. Uh, overall, what'd you think of this week's raw? Um, I don't know. Um, uh... It seemed like it, they were advancing a storyline of Rhino Yokozuna. They're advancing the story of Sean versus Diesel, but really not not a lot when it came to like the actual in ring action. I mean, yeah, I I would think like technically Sean and Jerry Lawler was like the best match, mm-hmm. but that had like eighty five percent punches. Yeah, overall, I didn't think this episode was very great. Uh, last week's, which I watched, was a lot better, which had. Mankind's debut match and his attack on the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, you know, other than the Ultimate Warrior segment, heels stood tall in every segment this week. Yeah, and that's just too much, in my lowly opinion. Uh, it's just kind of boring booking, and it it felt too one sided on the side of evil. I guess. Uh, would it surprise you if I told you that at the time, and, and maybe this is just the heat of the moment or something, but Meltzer described this as one of the best Raws ever. <laughs> and I'm not saying he says that now in 2016, but right. at the time, yeah. that's... And he, he... I don't think he was giving a left-handed compliment. He wasn't like, for Raw, this was... He was like, this <laughs> right. is one of their best shows ever. And I just... I don't get it. I don't see it. No. No, I would thoroughly disagree with that. Who uh, had your match or segment of the night? Um, Boy... <laughs> Obviously, if we cut out this, this, <laughs> pa- this, this is not a dramatic pause. This is me actually trying to think. Um, I would say, um, God, I don't <laughs> know. Should I go first? Give you time to think. Yeah, why don't you go first? All right. Uh, my match of the night is going to go to Duke the Dumpster Drozy versus Triple H. Uh, it was short. It was just, you know, a TV match, and it did what it's supposed to do. It elevated one guy who's getting pushed at the expense of a guy who's really just an enhancement talent anyway. Duke the Dumpster 
is meant to be a guy who you recognize. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not Joe Jerkoff. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's a guy who's meant to lose to people who are going to go on to bigger things. And I thought Drozzi actually looked good. He pulled off some great moves. Uh, Triple H had some good spots. So that is my match of the night. Yeah, I, I would say I, I would agree with match of the night. I don't feel great saying it because yeah. it, it's it's not anything where it's like I would recommend anyone to see it. Oh, yeah. You've got to see the April 8th, 1996 <laughs> three-minute match between Duke the Dumpster Drozzy and Hunter Hurstelmsley. No, but it, it seemed like those two, they had like a pretty good chemistry. Yeah. Um, like and I, I s- like that Drozzy came out with the intensity feeding off their feud, even though mm-hmm. their feud was done and Triple H had thoroughly won it. Yeah. He still is, like, giving the match some purpose by mm-hmm. coming out like this still means something to him, you know? Yeah. No, I would agree. So I would say that was my match of the night, but, again, it's not it, – it's very slim pickings. Yeah. Who was your MVP of the show? I would actually say my MVP would be Diesel. Okay. Um, I felt like – Especially considering the circumstances that he's leaving soon, and uh, preconceived notions as far as how some of these members of like the actual clique sometimes act when they're on the on the microphone. Yeah, when they might like give like kind of uh, snarky or uh, inside jokes or something like that. He played it straight up as a, as like the character should, um, and I thought he did a really good job. And then coming in. Uh, I felt like they did a very good job of advancing the storyline and making it feel like that Diesel... I mean, because he also made sure to point out that he's beaten Sean. Sean hasn't beaten him. Yeah. Um, so I felt like he, he hit like all the points he needed to to advance that storyline and make it like a very legitimate feud. So I would give it to Diesel. My MVP of the night... Duke the Dumpster DeRozzi. Sweet. I, it's kind of like one of those... Uh, Outperforming Expectations Awards. Yes. It's not that he was incredible, but he was good, and I did not remember him as being anything other than the wrestling garbage man. Right. So a pleasant surprise to see um, some really good motivation and some good in-ring work out of the old dumpster. (laughs) Uh, In the ratings, of course, uh, there was no Nitro, and Raw did. Are you ready for this? A 4.7. What? With 3.05 million viewers, this was a record high audience for Raw to this point. As of as of this date, this was the most watched Raw of all time. Is, uh, is Shawn Michaels just a ratings draw for them at this point, do you the think? The ultimate warrior, I think, is okay. the reason why um, the big bump. I mean, for one thing, they're unopposed, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm assuming that's why Warrior was held off the Raw after mania and instead was on this week to really pop a rating you know and get that kind of feeling of momentum on wwf side so i think that's the main reason why um and certainly sean is champion uh although you know history will tell us that sean is champion is not a huge draw for wwf surprisingly Mm -hmm. um but so i yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna credit warrior for this one okay no i can i can buy that totally In wrestling news, there's really not much. I've just got one kind of interesting quote from Eric Bischoff in the Charleston Post. uh, He's all over the press, and we'll we'll hear some more quotes next week. Uh, But he is all over the press lately, giving some shots at McMahon. And uh, this is a quote from him on steroids. Uh, McMahon claiming, specifically, that there are steroids in WCW. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting, coming out of a guy who uses his drug testing procedure, apparently, based on what we're hearing, 
with selective enforcement, uh, specifically referring to the Razor Ramon shit where he wasn't really suspended until it behooved McMahon to punish him. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, I, I mean, that's not even that really interesting of a tidbit, but I feel like having some wrestling news. Uh, but kind of post-WrestleMania, it seems like both both shows are taking a little breather in the war for for a bit. Mm-hmm. And that and that's, I mean, as you've heard from, like, all of our other podcasts, that's pretty much Eric being Eric. You know? Right, that's fairly typical. Uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for Raw. It was fun to cover the other side. I'm sure somewhere in the next, God, what do we got left, five years? Uh <laughs> We'll probably <laughs> we'll probably cover another WWF event at some point, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's going to do it. That's going to put a capper on the WWF for now. We'll be back next week uh, live from Charleston, West Virginia for Nitro. And we are going to finally find out uh, what the Booty Man's big secret uh, stipulation was in that tag team match he was proposing between him and Hogan oh, and uh, <laughs> Kevin Sullivan and Arn Anderson. The one that's so mind-blowing, it beats like the... The, the six-man double strap yeah. lumberjack match. And the triple-tier four cage match from uh, Uncensored. <laughs> what could it be? We'll find out next week when we're right back where the big boys play 20 years of Nitro. You mean the Slammy Award-winning Sonny Yes, she won for Best Buns as well as Manager of the Year. Lots of surprises. At-